in embracing fully the power of the Spirit, the person of the Spirit of God, and the Word of God. It's not a 50-50 proposition. It's 100% of both, of the person of the Holy Spirit, 100% of the, 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 the Word of God, the Word made flesh, the biblical Word. And uh, so this morning, um, I've got a lot of ground to cover. I'm going to try and stay relaxed and not feel rushed and cover all that I... I would like to cover uh, this morning, so uh, I asked Craig for just a little more time. Usually we worship, sing just a little bit longer, but uh, this morning I, I really want to walk us through some biblical truths about fasting. Um, fasting has, honestly, fasting's become hip again. Uh, for a long time, fasting was out um, because it seems so ancient. Uh, it seemed so legalistic. It seemed so back then. But now, even the world has embraced fasting. You've got your intermittent fasting. You've got your fasting to reset your metabolism. You've got uh, fasting. You hear a lot about fasting for health purposes. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> so when you hear the term fasting, this is about seeking God. This is about giving up something that feeds your flesh for a period of time so that you can turn to God. So I've got a lot of things on fasting to cover, and then I'm going to look at Isaiah 58 about what a true fast looks like, and then hopefully tie it all together. So if you are a note taker, you're in heaven today. Just start scribbling because there's a lot to, to take notes on. If you're not a note taker but you'd like some of this stuff in your hand, I printed out a, 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 a packet. This has got every biblical verse on fasting somewhere in it. Uh, there are like some copies on that back table. Uh, it's got a categorized. Um, it's a study I did a long time ago, but I've revised it. It also has... Um, some of the outlines of what we're going to be talking about in the weeks ahead about why, fasting for specific purposes. So if you'd like one of those, there are some on the back table. Just get one per family, uh, take it, and if we run out, we'll just print more. I just didn't know how many to print, so if we run out, we'll have more for next week. Also, we, um, we have so many things to give away today. Um, we also have our, viv our guide uh, for prayer and fasting, if you're a part of fullness, you should be getting this as an email every day. But if you're not and you would like the hard copy, I encourage you to get it. It's on the back table as well. We have plenty of those for our 21 days of fasting because we are in the middle of that. We start every year with 21 days of prayer and fasting, seeking after God, being actively engaged with him, and at the same time denying our flesh something that it's become used to in order to seek after God. We talked about that a little bit last week, and we will talk about it, talk about it more in the days ahead. Here's the uh, theme for our time of prayer and fasting. It's this. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We are fasting to seek after God, to break the chains that have bound us in so many ways, to walk in freedom. Here's one of my definitions of freedom. Freedom is only freed, freedom if you're free to do or not to do. 
Okay, let me say that again. Some of you are like, I'm not really sure what we're talking about. You're only free if you're free to either do something or free not to do it. So like, um, I'll give you a worship example. Like raising your hands in worship. Um, You're only free in worship if you feel the freedom to raise your hands or the freedom not to. If you're in bondage like, I can't raise my hands, then you're not free. But at the other point, you're not free also if you're free and you say, oh, i got to raise my hands. Do you understand my point? Freedom is only freedom if you're free to do or not to do. And we want people to walk in freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And the, the context here is, has to do with sin, really. You're only free if you're free not to sin. Christ has set you free not to sin. Now, I don't want to say you're free to sin, but actually, you are. But that's not the kind of freedom you're supposed to be walking in. Instead, you should be walking in the freedom that leads you into greater holiness, greater godliness, greater life. And so part of the reason we're fasting is to break the chains, clean off the dirt that we pick up in the world on a daily basis and don't even know we got it. Sometimes we're dirty and we don't, we don't know it. I have three sons and um, they used to live in the basement of my house. And you would go through the garage, through the basement, to come upstairs. That's just the our garage and the baby go through. Dog, it smelled down there. I mean, with three teenage boys who were athletic, I mean, it smelled like a locker room in there. Or it smelled like axe exploded. You know, that after that axe stuff. Which I'd walk in sometimes, I'd be like, oh, wow, what happened down here? You know, there were times I had to say to him, hey, you know what? You smell. You don't want to go out like this. You don't smell so good. You know, there's, there's a freedom. We don't even know sometimes. I'm sure they appreciate me sharing this. Hi, boys. Um, they're all adult men now. They know. Uh, but sometimes we need somebody, something to say, you picked up the dirt of the world because we don't even know. And we need that freedom. That's one of the things fasting does for you, for us. Listen, in 1 John, John says this. It was, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. He's writing to believers, but he wants to let them know that they can know that they have eternal life. Why? Because many times we question, am I really there? And he goes, this is the assurance we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. This is one of those verses that at face value, you're like, that sounds too good to be true. Can I really pray in such a way that I know that God hears me and I know that he's going to give me what I ask of him? By the way, this verse has been greatly manipulated as we come back to Isaiah 58. Just hold on to this idea. But when we come back to this truth that it's not our goal to manipulate God, we have to hear from God, his will, 
And then we want to pray back to God his will. And we know that if we pray back to him his will, then he hears us and he gives us what we ask. Because we're praying God's will back to him. Are you with me? There's this aspect of putting ourselves in a position where we can hear from God. This is fundamental to our belief as a church that God still speaks and we can hear and we can know what his will for us is. Here, here are the ditches, and this is where I'm going to take just a moment because I think it's really important. When it comes to the discipline of fasting or prayer or giving or going to church or any of the spiritual disciplines, many times we fall into one of two ditches. One ditch is the ditch of hopelessness. This ditch that says, you know what? God's going to do what God's going to do. It doesn't really matter what I do. He's either going to bless me or not bless me. He's either going to help me or not help me. He's going to heal me or not heal me. He's going to save me or not save me. Just go down the list. So it's really hopeless. I, I, it's not really anything I do. It's, what, it's all what God does. Then there's the ditch of legalism on the other side, which says it's all about me. I got to do this. If I want God's favor, God's approval, God's stuff, then I've got I've to... I've got to make it happen. You know, if I don't give, then God's going to get his anyway. I've been in that church. You know, if I don't give to God right, if I don't give my 10%, he's going he's gonna to break my fridge. Which, by the way, he did at my house. For those of you who have been around, he broke my fridge. Um, but I've been giving, so he shouldn't have broke my fridge, right? Listen, here's the idea. We don't want to be in the camp that says, I'm hopeless. It matters not what I do. Nor do I want to be in the camp of, it matters all what I do. It's all me, not God. Somewhere in the middle, there's this line of walking out what God has called us to. Hopelessness, it won't get you anywhere. As a matter of fact, the Bible even says, the one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap what? So hopelessness is not an option. Otherwise, you'll sow to please your sinful nature. But the one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. It matters what you do, does it not? It, just say yes, and we'll, move, we'll keep going forward. Yes, it matters what you do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote extensively about this in The Cost of Discipleship. He talked about the cheap grace that the church too often offers that cost us nothing. He, he, he talks about how grace is free, but it's costly. It's this dichotomy. He goes on and says, uh, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without, I can't read, without, I'm going to read from back here, without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. Grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ. That's the hopeless ditch we want to avoid. But we, at the other hand, 
we're going to see the nation of Israel saying, hey, we're doing the stuff. Why are we not getting the results? Isn't God obligated when I do this to, to, to then come through on my behalf? In one of the great books on spiritual disciplines, Richard Foster writes about this position between hopelessness, what may be called in its biblical sense antinomianism um, or legalism. And he says this, picture a long, narrow ridge with a sheer drop-off on either side. The chasm to the right is the way of moral bankruptcy through human strivings for righteousness. Historically, this has been called the heresy of moralism or legalism. The chasm to the left is moral bankruptcy through the absence of human striving. This has been called the heresy of antinomianism. On the ridge, there is a path, the disciplines of the spiritual life. This path leads to the inner transformation and healing for which we seek. We must never veer off to the right or to the left, but stay on the path. The path is fraught with severe difficulties, but also with incredible joys. As we travel on this path, the blessings of God will come upon us and reconstruct us into the image of Jesus Christ. We must always remember that the path, this is, this is where I want us to be, the path does not produce change. It only places us where the change can occur. This is the path of disciplined grace. This is the path we want to be on. We think too often that spiritual disciplines are only for the spiritual giants. But spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, giving, going to church, spiritual disciplines are for the spiritual. They're for everyone. They're for every single one of us. The spiritual discipline in and of itself doesn't produce change. All it does is put us in a position where God can touch us. It plays, it's sowing seeds to righteousness, sowing to the Spirit so that God can in turn bless us. That's what fasting does. Fasting is, is not just for redoing our metabolism. Fasting is for seeking after God. And the list of biblical characters who fasted is long. Moses, the lawgiver, David, the king, Elijah, the prophet, uh, Esther, the queen, Daniel, the seer, Anna, the prophetess uh, in the New Testament, Paul, the apostle, Jesus Christ, the incarnate son, all are examples of people who fasted in the Bible. There are many different ways to fast. There's uh, what we would call the normal fast. That's where you give up food for a period of time. You, you, you uh, give up eating, but you, can, you still take fluids like water or even juices if God leads you to do so. There's a partial fast where you give up something um, for a period of time. You're not giving up all food, but just certain foods. Um, a great example is Daniel in Daniel 10.3 or Daniel 1, where he fasts from the foods of Babylon. You, you, you'll see that it, it, it's what most of us are doing now, this partial fast. There is a total fast, which really is a miraculous fast. That's where you give up food and water. Book of Esther, 
they call for that for a short period of time, I think three days. There's a rotational fast where you kind of rotate foods in and out of, of your diet. Now, here, here's the point. Fasting is not about diet. Fasting is about seeking, denying yourself something for a period of time in order to seek after God, to see things happen in your life. Most of the time when you fast, you do it privately. You know, you're not, it's not something you're displaying to the world, to this fasting that you're doing. As a matter of fact, Jesus criticized the Pharisees uh, about fasting for the public. The, the Pharisees fasted twice a week, and Jesus criticized them because they were, they were doing it for display. You know, they would dress a certain way. They'd get a certain look on their face, like, oh, I'm fasting, and throw stuff on. So, uh, but he says to his followers, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that it will be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus is saying, your fasting is between you and God. It's not, between, it's not to show yourself off to those around you. Most of the time, it's a, a private fast. But there are a number of times in the Bible where there's also corporate fasts, where the nation of Israel is called to, to, to fast for various reasons. And that's what we're engaged in here. In some senses, you're fasting privately, but in some senses, this is a corporate fast where we're seeking after God for his purposes and his plans for, for this place. A number of years ago, I was uh, doing a normal fast, the fasting of food, which I did for 21 days. And um, it, it has certain results on your body when you fast for food. I, I lose about a pound a day. Uh, and I'm not a big guy. Um, so, you know, after 21 days, you take 20 pounds off my frame, and Kathy was worried about me. Um, she was, like, concerned about my health. I felt great. Uh, generally, if you do a normal fast after about seven days, the first, um, the, the, the first, honestly, the first three or four days of a normal fast, all I can think about is how miserable I am. Uh, it's not really a spiritual experience very much other than I miss food. But then your body kind of adjusts and you kind of, the church at that point, because it was the start of a new year, had applied for, we had shifted life insurance policies for employees. So they were, the church was actually taking a life insurance policy out on me. And so, you know, in life insurance policies, you have to get that physical at a certain point where the guy shows up or the nurse shows up and takes your blood work and weighs you and takes your blood pressure and does all this stuff. So the insurance agent called me and said, hey, this guy is going to come on February 21st. And I said to the guy, hey, listen, I've been fasting for spiritual reasons. Are you sure this is a good idea? And he said, yeah, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. 
I don't think the guy was listening to me at all. So the paramedic shows up at my house to give me a physical, and he goes, um, okay, when was your last meal? And, and I said, what day is it? And he goes, oh, it's the 21st. I said, uh, December 31st. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand my question. When was your last meal? And I said, I'm fasting for religious purposes. I haven't had a meal since December 31st. I'd come off this fast tomorrow. And he's like, how much weight have you lost? Um, 15, 20 pounds in this three-week period. And I said, yeah. He said, I can't put that down. I can't write that. They'll, they'll deny your policy. And I said, well, I'm a pastor, so I can't tell you what to write. I don't want to encourage you to lie on my behalf. I'm just telling you. He said, okay, I'm going to put your starting weight was this, and your weight today is this, and we'll just see how your blood work comes back. Now, this is a side benefit of fasting, and this is not why you fast, but I had the best blood work ever in the history of a 50-something-year-old man. They called me back and said, hey, you, you're like in the A++ rating. Um, they're going to give you the best rate ever on this, on this deal, on this policy. And I'm like, did you tell them I was fasting? For no, we told them nothing. <laughs> we, we just went with the blood work and everything else, and you're, you're good to go. See, this, this is not why we fast. But fasting, in some ways, has both spiritual and physical benefits that God will direct you toward. So why do we fast? If that's not the reason we fast, why do we fast? Richard Foster, again, I'm going back to him. I'm using some of his stuff right here. He says the central idea of fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for what? For the sake of intense spiritual activity. You're not... if trying to say this lovingly. If you're just fasting because I told you to or because the church has encouraged you to, then you're going to miss something that God has for you. It is, it, there's, there's the denial for the purpose. The central idea is for the sake of seeking after God. That's what the primary motive is. You're going to seek after God. John Wesley uh, basically required all of his clergy, all those in the Methodist movement, to fast once a week and, and sometimes longer. But he said this, first, let it be done unto the Lord with our eyes singly fixed on him. Let our intention herein be this, and this alone, to glorify our Father which is in heaven. This is why we fast, to seek after God. The central idea of this Fasting, again, is a spiritual activity, but there is a benefit. He helps to give us balance. Many of us don't realize that our lives are out of whack. You, you're, most of us in this room, I would say, you don't even know it, but your life is out of balance. And one of the things denying your flesh, food, or TV, or media or whatever else you may be denying yourself right now, it brings your life back into balance. I mean, for all the things that fasting has become pop and hip and all that stuff, 
I mean, for most people, the majority of Americans feel like if they don't get three meals a day, they're going to die. You know, oh, I got to, I got to eat. I got to eat. I mean, we have temples to fast food all around us. You know, the, the question is generally not, oh, can I get food today? Can I get food within five minutes? Can I order it online and just drive and pick it up and I'm out of there? It's like, where? I've got, a, I've got temples everywhere to food that I just have to drive. And this, this on-demand feeding of our flesh gets us out of whack and we don't even know it. Do you know McDonald's is probably one of the richest landowners in the world? The temples to fast food. After the Vatican, they're one of the richest landowners worldwide. And we've made that happen. It also reveals the things that control us. I mean, really. Just say you're fasting sweets, which is one of the things I've fasted this week. Come about Wednesday, my body is screaming for something sweet to eat. I mean, I didn't even realize that sweets had this hold on me. And many of us don't realize what the world, anything has snagged us. And one of the things fasting does, it will reveal that. And it also reveals to us that we are not sustained by the stuff around us. We're sustained by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He is our sustainer. So, any questions on fasting? I just wanted to, I wanted to give you these foundations because I haven't done it in a while. And many of us have heard fasting and know fasting, but... I want us to reorient our, 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 our view of what fasting is all about because Isaiah the prophet speaks to the nation of Israel about their fasting and about their freedom and about their out-of-balance lives for a reason. And so here's what he says. I, I told you to turn to Isaiah 58 like half an hour ago, right? Uh, so now we're going to get into it. I'm going to move through it quickly, give you some ideas, and then try and tie it all together. Here's the exposure that the prophet gives to the nation of Israel. Here's God speaking to Isaiah. Okay, with me? God is speaking here. This is what he's saying. He's saying to Isaiah, shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. Okay, look up here for just one second. He's, God is saying to Isaiah, Tell the people their sins. And your first thought is this. Okay, now he's going to talk to them about immorality. He's going to talk to them about the horrible nature of their sin problem. They're stealing. They're lying. They're doing all this stuff. He's going to, he's going to hit them hard. Here's, here's, here's their sin. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the command of its God. What is their sin? What is their sin? They're seeking after God. Wait a minute. That doesn't seem like a sin. 
They're seeking after God with the wrong motive. See, here's where we ended up. Many times we're like, hey, you know, all that's important is seeking after God. No, there's, there's more. There's more within our heart that needs to be exposed and revealed. He goes on and says, they ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? They're into it. They're not just seeking after God. They're actually fasting, asking God. And God is saying, in their position of fasting, they're sinning. How can this be? This is, this is the exposure, so to speak, of their sin problem. But why? What is the issue? By the way, don't you love this? They, they, they're, they're, they're fasting but getting nothing. Maybe you don't love it. I, I understand. It seems like we're doing the right thing and getting the wrong result. Here's his explanation of why they're in the wrong position. And by the way, this is a tough chapter. I don't want to just blitz through this and say, eh, this is just, this is a hard one. He goes on and says, here's why you're not hearing from God. On the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Here's the problem. They got religious activity, but but they're still exploiting their workers. They're fighting. They're quarreling. They're striving. What kind of fast is this? You know, I, I started to list. I, I could list numerous examples of church fights. I got stories of churches that ended up in fights. I mean physical fights in the church house over the color of chairs or carpet or whether an arch should be the doorway or it should be a square door. Or, I mean, I, I got no shortage of church ugly over the years of fights that break out in church. I'm not talking about Congress. If you saw this week, I heard of one congressman went after another in the house. I'm talking about church people, good church-going people resulting in fights. Why? Because whenever you, please listen, whenever you have religious activity that is separated from a relationship with the living God, you end up there. This is where, this is the natural outcome of religious practice without relationship with God. Because see, Christianity, I say it over and over again, Christianity is in its basic nature, thank you, relational. It's about a relationship with God and relationship with one another. Why do we fast? We're not fasting to manipulate God. We're fasting because we're in a relationship with him and we want to hear from him. And because our lives daily lived are out of whack. They're out of balance. And we need somebody, something to happen to say, Lord, break this imbalance in my life so that I can hear from the living God. They were trying to manipulate God rather than hear from him. 
again, I, I, I don't want to beat up us or other churches. But we in Christian, the Christian faith, we've developed all sorts of theologies in which we feel like we can manipulate God into blessing us. There is no shortage of ways that in our human flesh we have figured out ways to say, if I do this, then God is obligated to do that. And we, we frame it in such a way where we try to feed our flesh rather than have our flesh broken before God so that we can hear from him. We need the freedom from the flesh that only God can bring. And anytime we start to even manipulating religious things, godly things, in order to make him feed our flesh, we've lost the point. And that's what's happened here. They, they've, lost their, they've lost what makes them unique. And he goes on and says, is this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? By the way, the answer is no. In case you're wondering. He's asking these questions and the answer is uh, no. That's not it. So what kind of fast? What does a true fast look like? And here's where Isaiah goes into it. For the, and Let me just, I'm going to hit these bullet points pretty quick. So you might want to write them down. You could even take a picture of the screen if you want to. Think about them later. They're just straight from the verses as they fall. And he basically says, a true fast from God will bring the word of God in power. I'm in verse 6 now. He says, is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen to what? Loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Hey, people, here's what's happening. They're fasting, trying to manipulate God into feeding and strengthening the yokes that are around their necks, the flesh. And instead, God is saying, is this not the kind of fast? I want to break the yokes. I want to set you free. I want you to walk in the freedom that I've provided for you. This sounds so familiar to the first sermon Jesus preached. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, what? To preach good news to the poor. Um, he has sent me, sorry, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's saying, listen, this is, I have come to fulfill what Isaiah has spoken about freedom, power coming. I, I'm going to try not to preach on every one of these bullet points. You know, I know I've got a three-point sermon with 20 more points. Um, but, but here's the idea. Is the church really doing what the church is supposed to be doing? Are we seeing people set free? Are we seeing people walk in freedom? Or are we putting on them a yoke that is unbearable, that is unfulfillable? It also results not just in the word of God coming in power, but it, it results in ministry to others. It's other-minded rather than me-minded. Is it not 
to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? In other words, when you fast, this fast isn't just about you and God even. It's about ministering life, life to others. It, 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 helps, it helps us to get others free. That's part of our goal, our mission. It's not just our freedom. It's ministering life to others, giving a cup of water in the name of Jesus in order to see others set free. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. The whole idea of the, the light of the Lord guiding and directing and, and, and helping walking others into an element of freedom. What are we proclaiming when we fast? Are we showing others the light of Christ? Is he shining from us? It then allows us to call on God and know that he will answer. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. Remember in Isaiah 6, when Isaiah is confronted with the presence of God? Notice that he, he doesn't say, here am I do this, God. Here am I, do that. Instead, he says, here am I, send me. His confrontation with the power and presence of the Lord is this, God, send me. May I do what you called me to do. The answer of God many times will result in your sending. You could, that's really good. Um, I mean, it's important to understand that, that the result of God's presence in your life, his freedom in your life, his power in your life, is the result of you giving your life away to others. Because when the blessings of the Lord are point poured out on you, it's to do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame and you'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. This is so good. I'm trying not to rush, but... I highlight these verses. Then the Lord will guide you always. Who's guiding you right now? What are you following? Who are you following? When we enter into a true fast, and again, I say when we get on this path that Foster talks about, when we get on this path, the Lord will guide us. Put ourselves in a position for his guidance. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land. Where are you turning for your needs to be met right now? Where are you looking for satisfaction? He will strengthen your frame. He, he, he's the one who will come alongside and make you stand tall, will strengthen you. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. What a list of things that true fasting brings, true relationship with God. True guidance by him. Finally, it brings restoration in the correct foundation. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and you will raise up the age-old foundations. 
you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. People, I know this has been a lot, a lot of information, a lot of stuff. But hopefully, what I'm hoping, I'm praying that God will break through is this. When we deny ourselves what our flesh cries out for and look to a relationship with God and minister to others, then God will do incredible things. He, will, he is generous with his presence, right? He will pour out his presence. Why? Because he trusts us. He sees the path of faith that we're on. Paul says it like this in some ways. He says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to do what? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What does offering yourself as a living sacrifice look like? By the way, just read the rest of Romans 12. He talks, he talks about it. He talks about the things that will happen when you offer your body as a living sacrifice. Spiritual gifts will flow. Anybody thought of that? Spiritual gifts will flow from you. You, you will rejoice with others. You'll love. You'll uh, bless. You'll give. I mean, all of that is what happens as you offer yourselves. This past Thursday would have been my father's 90th birthday. This week I've reflected on my mom and dad and their life and what they poured into me. I, I realized when I went to college, you know, when you're in a house for 17, 18 years, when you're raised in a house, you think everybody's house must be like that, right? You, you think that's what life is. This is normal life. I went to college, and one of the things I realized first was this. I could have had a lot more if my parents hadn't given all my stuff away. Now, you may be saying, wait a minute, what did he just say? My parents were always giving. They gave so much, and some of it was mine. <laughs> you think I'm lying. I remember I'm 13 years old. My parents give my bed away in my bedroom to a guy who came and lived with us. Bart, you're going you're gonna to sleep over here on the floor. Uh, this guy named Walt, who is a 24-year-old guy who had just got out of the Marines, was kind of struggling with life. His mom went to our church, and um, he got out of the Marines. His dad had passed away. He didn't really know what to do. So my parents said, hey, move into our house. Bart, you can have Bart's bed. <laughs> now, different time, different place. Today, you would be appalled at moving a 24-year-old single male into a bedroom with a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old, which was the age of my brother. But Walt moved in with us. I slept on the floor. 
Walt had my bed. It was always like that. My parents giving stuff away. Last fall, Walt called me. Walt's now in his 70s. Walt went into the ministry, got married, had a family, served the Lord his entire life, and he called me last fall to thank me because my parents weren't around to thank for what they did in his life. See, when you give up something for the purpose of serving God, it'll reap benefits that you can never imagine. But many of us in this room, we are not free to give stuff away because we're so chained by it. You're only free if you're free to hear from God and then to follow what God says to do. I mean, think about it this way. Let's say God said to you, I want you to give away X dollars to this person or this ministry or this thing. Are you free to do it? You may be free to hear from God. Many of us, this last week, we are asking freedom from stuff. Freedom from in order to hear from God. But once you hear from God, are you then free for that purpose? What if you're so in debt, you've chained yourself, you've sold your future to debt, that you are not free to do what God has called you to do? Are you free? Here's what fasting does for us. It frees us from the things where our flesh says, feed me, give it to me. And it's not freedom so that God is obligated to do what I to ask him for, but rather that God is now free to bless me with his presence and his power so that I can in turn give it away. You know, I could have a lot worse heritages than my parents gave all my stuff away. And by the way, they didn't give it all away, but it was my bed. <laughs> what will be the result of your life? When someone looks back, will they say, hey, the fasting and freedom and presence that God placed within you changed somebody's life forever. Because you looked out, you heard from God, and you ministered life around you. Lord, I pray this morning that we will, we will be a people who fast. We'll deny ourselves right now for the purpose of seeking after you and your glory and your presence and and then as you move through us, we'll be like well-watered gardens, like streams, conduits, through which the, the power and presence of the Spirit flows to the world around us. God, forgive us where even in fasting, even going to church, even doing stuff, we, we, we do it in a way in which we try to obligate you to bless us. Instead, Lord, we just want to hear from you. We want to walk in freedom Freedom to give our lives away. Freedom to give stuff away. Freedom to bless others in ministry. Lord, open up our hearts and our lives today. 
Break off the chains of oppression. Break off the social norms that say, hey, 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 it's fine. You're just doing what everybody does. It's fine to be addicted to the social media. It's fine to be addicted to debt. It's good to have nice stuff. It's better than having bad stuff. And, and just the ideas that enslave us too often. Lord, may we fast for the purpose of experiencing your presence, hearing from you, and then having the freedom to walk out what you call us to do. We are free from the chains. We are free for the future and for the purpose that you've called us to. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Move in our hearts and our lives today as we experience the generosity of your presence. We are in this time of fasting and prayer, and there are cards out on the back table. Marty, would you grab some of those cards off the back table for me? If you haven't filled, maybe you weren't here last week or you haven't been around, but you would like to fill out one of these prayer cards, every day we're going to pray for you. Every day that we gather in this place. And you can join us here in this room. We'd love to have you at 6 a.m. Or you can, pray, you can join us online. number of ways online. Sometimes it's hard to drive at that hour, I know. But in the room, we pray over these cards every single day. We try and hear from God on your behalf. If you weren't here and you'd like to fill out a prayer card, just raise your hand. Marty's going to give you a prayer card. And then you can bring it down to the front. Raise them up. Come on. If you haven't filled one out, you should fill one out. Um, so just raise your hand. Marty will give it to you. While he's handing them out, you're filling them out. Gabriel has some opportunities for service. Then we'll take up an offering, and you can bring all those prayer cards to the front.